Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. Welcome to Healthy Children. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're talking about updated recommendations on breastfeeding from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Joining me is Dr. Lauren Crosby. She's a pediatrician, nationally recognized parenting expert, and of course, a spokesperson for the American Academy of Pediatrics. Dr. Crosby, it's a pleasure to have you join us again today. You're a really great guest, and I know that this is such an important topic right now, and you and I were speaking a little bit off the air about it. So we're going to get it on the air and on the record now. Let's start with the health benefits of breastfeeding. What does that do for baby and the health benefits of breastfeeding for moms? Hi, Melanie. Thank you so much for having me back. Yes, there's really a lot of benefits for both. So for the baby, we'll start with that. And I think a lot of people are a little bit more familiar with those. Um, The lower risk of infections is the big one. So there's a decrease in even chronic diseases in kids who are breastfed. So first, decrease in SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. Um, there's also fewer lower respiratory tract infections, even of note, inflammatory bowel disease in the future and diabetes, even childhood leukemia, asthma, eczema, and even obesity. So there's a lot of health benefits to providing some of that breast milk for those babies. For the mom, there's all kinds of benefits as well. So women who breastfeed tend to recover from childbirth a little faster, a little more easily. Um, also, there's hormones that play a role in, in how the moms feel. So there's a couple hormones released. Oxytocin is one of them that's released during breastfeeding. That one helps to contract the uterus, which also helps the mom heal, and it can reduce postpartum bleeding. But it also gives you sort of this good feeling, um, a feeling of like joy um, and, 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 and prolactin, too, is another one that gives, like, a peaceful nurturing sensation and allows the mom to relax and focus on the baby. Oxytocin is, like, called the love hormone sometimes. So it, it, it helps facilitate a strong sense of, like, attachment. So there's that. And then the health benefits, a decrease in maternal type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, and some cancers, breast, ovarian, and endometrial cancer rates. So many benefits. Wow. Certainly many benefits and, you know, it's free. So there's a big old benefit right there. (laughs) That's Um, a big old benefit. That's a big old benefit. But now tell us about that first breastfeeding thing. They call it colostrum. What is that? How does that help the baby? And tell us about normal breast milk production. When colostrum goes to mature milk and how do women know when their milk comes in? Yeah, so it's a great question because the colostrum is is somewhat mysterious to some at the beginning. A lot of moms don't see it come out or hear swallowing and know it's there, but it's that very first milk produced by breastfeeding mothers after giving birth. Often we refer to it as that liquid gold. It's loaded with immunity-boosting compounds and nutrients to support the baby at the beginning, those first few days of life, until that milk comes in. So it really has all the nutrients and fluid the newborn needs in the early days and things to protect the baby against infection. And its color and its thickness are due to the fact that it also has these protective factors. It's also a little higher in protein, a little lower in sugar, and a little lower in fat than actually more mature milk. So it is different and it does provide different things. 
And, you know, the babies get it, but some women feel like babies getting nothing, but, but we always say nurse, they're getting that colostrum. You might not see it, but it's there. And the breast might not feel full at all, but eventually they will. So three to five days that milk starts to come in and that's different. Usually a woman will feel heaviness. The breast will feel just more full, sometimes pressure. They can get engorged. Um, and then it'll get sort of a more creamy or white color too. So it will look different. You might start to see some on the baby's mouth when the baby comes off of the latch and you might start to hear some swallowing. So you'll know, okay, now there's more coming in. So that's at least the beginning. Well, that's a great explanation. Right. Very clear. You made that clear. So tell us a little bit about how it compares. We mentioned the free thing and we mentioned the benefits. Mm -hmm. Not everybody Mm -hmm. can breastfeed. How do they right. com- how right. do they compare nutritionally, doctor? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. So we like you said, we mentioned cost savings, right? It's on tap, it's free, convenient, right? And the medical benefits. Um, but the natural antibodies, all of those things are important. Um, it's more easily digested too. So that's something else. There's a lot there's less constipation, fewer bouts of, of diarrhea in the the breast milk, the babies who receive breast milk. Um, and breast milk can change. It changes even during a feeding. There's four milk, which is that first milk. It's a little more watery. And then the milk later is the fattier milk. That's the hind milk. Um, so babies also, not only do they have changes that have to do with the mom's diet, like taste, for instance, they get different flavors because the mom's diet varies. So what, what she's eating can impact the taste that the baby gets and they can get all kinds of nutrients and flavors and get exposed to lots of different foods, different proteins. So, you know, even though formula is not identical, you can't make that. You can't recreate that complex complex fluid um, with the antibodies, but formulas do provide appropriate nutrition and babies do grow and they do thrive perfectly well when they are fed formula. Formula feeding is also less of a time commitment than breastfeeding. So a lot of women find that, you know, you got to sit down to breastfeed. Often you need a quiet room and you need space and you need time. It could take a good hour. Uh, when formula feeding, you can be done in 15, 20 minutes. So when people are in a rush, if they haven't, let's say, had time to pump, because that also takes time, the formula can be quick. Um, some worry that if they don't breastfeed, they're not going to bond with their baby, but that's not true. So I do reassure the women who feed the baby formula that it's fine and that Loving is uh, the bond happens. So you love your baby, no matter how you feed your baby, you're strengthening that bond, holding your baby, talking to your baby, feeding your baby in any way that you can is important. So both approaches are safe and healthy. They each have advantages. So, you know, you do what you can do for you and what's better for your whole family. That's true. And, and it's good that some women that do choose to formula feed or can't for some reason do not get shamed as well so it works both sides right it does now let's talk about feeding patterns Mm -hmm. how do you know how often to nurse what are some of those signs that baby's hungry and how can you tell if they're getting enough yeah those are good questions especially the getting enough that's like the biggest worry but there are things we have we have ways so we always have to tell the moms because they're not going to know, especially the first baby, but they need reminders no, how, no matter how many kids they have. Newborns need to be breastfed eight to 12 times per 24 hours to establish that milk supply to make sure that the baby is getting enough fluid. And it is hard. They don't see what they're getting. So we have to tell them what to look for, right? So you want to you wanna watch the pee. 
you want to watch the poop. We look at their weight. So we have different criteria so that we know how much they're getting. Now, a sign a baby's hungry, right? They might see their fists moving to the mouth, the head turning side to side, like they're looking for the breast or nipple, opening the mouth. That's the rooting reflex where they move and open the mouth. They better be alert, active, lip smacking, opening and closing the mouth. Um, and then when they get really hungry, as we know, they get fussy and then they must start screaming. So they'll, they'll tell you most of the time. But there are those babies who are very sleepy after birth and even for several days. So we do help parents wake them. We do say you need to wake the baby. That don't sleep, don't wake a sleeping baby it is a myth, especially in the newborn period, I'll say. They need nutrition. They need to help get that milk in. So that's important. And it's also important parents not to worry about weight loss after birth because some is normal. Up to 10% loss of body weight is normal in a baby, but that should be up by the two-week checkup when they come in. That should be back up. So that's a sign that the baby's getting enough. And the pee, right? So we tell them at least day one, one pee and one poop the first 24 hours. And then next day, two. <laughs> and it should start to increase so that once the baby's about five to seven days old, they're peeing like five to six times a day. That means they're getting enough milk. Um, and at least pooping several times a day as well. So those are kind of our cues. And, and most parents know to keep track. And we have them keep a log. Some people use apps to do that. And that way, because they're tired, right? So it's hard to remember. Did he pee? When was that? What time did I feed him? So you want to keep track because that helps us tell parents if, how it's going and if we need to make changes. So there's there's a lot of things to kind of learn as you go at the beginning, you know. And there's certainly baby satisfied. Is. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, it's lot. such an exciting time, but for new parents, it really can be, you know, a little bit unnerving. You're not sure, and you hope the baby's getting enough. And now the AAP came up with some new updated recommendations. Can you tell us about those and, and what they say about breastfeeding now? All right. So, you know, it's been a little bit controversial since this came out recently because they're you know, they, they're, the way it's interpreted is they're saying that women should breastfeed for two years, and they used to say one year. But really what they're saying is they're calling for supporting moms who breastfeed two years or beyond. Um, so it's, it's a little different wording, it's a different semantics, different message, right? So the, the main, the bottom line is the AAP recommends exclusive breastfeeding of infants for the first six months of life before adding nutritious complementary foods while encouraging, and this is key, social and systemic changes to support those mothers who choose to breastfeed, and they recommend supporting them up to age two or beyond. So it's the support and, and important not to, not to shame. It basically focuses on that, how, how hospitals can help, how pediatricians can help to make sure women know about ways they can get support and that they know about maternal health. So basically, here are the main changes. I'll just kind of list them from the prior one. One is raising awareness that there's health benefits to the mother. Like we talked about at the beginning, a lot of people know, oh, it's great for the baby, but it's also great for the mom. So we talked about the decrease in cancers, diabetes, high blood pressure. Um, the also, also these guidelines now align with the WHO, the World Health Organization's breastfeeding recommendations, right? So that's also important. They wanted that to sort of match up exclusively breastfeed the first six months and then add food 
for up to two years or beyond if that's desired. So that's really the key. It's not saying you should breastfeed for two years, but if you want to, it's fine. So it's support and not shame. Um, there's special considerations with respect to the mom and the baby, and there's our contraindications to breastfeeding. So it's acknowledging that some people cannot, and we understand that for various medical reasons. Some women don't make much milk. Some are on medication. Some have chronic illnesses or other diseases or infections, and they cannot nurse. And we are aware of that, and that has to be handled also and dealt with properly. Um, also, more, edu- more education to come out about the benefits to kids about the obesity and decrease and all of those things we talked about in the beginning. Um, also, breastfeeding requiring support is really key. You know, right after birth, the, the nurses that are there at the hospital to really help get that skin to skin going, breastfeed within that first hour after birth, delay the bath even for, for 12 hours to allow more uninterrupted skin to skin time. Also, you know, some of that stuff on the baby is pro- is good for them and probably good for their immune system. So it's okay. Rooming in, right? So the baby stays in the room next to the mom, close to the mom. Breastfeeding on demand. Avoiding pacifiers at the beginning. That's important. Babies can be very fussy, right? But if they get different nipples early on, maybe it's going to be harder for them to nurse and to latch on. And then to give outpatient support. Like, okay, you're going home. Here's how we continue supporting you with breastfeeding. You're going to do this. You're going to, here's lactation resources. You're going to go to your pediatrician tomorrow. You know, so lots and lots and lots of support. And then last, they, they do also mention additional guidance for other situations. So adoption, surrogacy, and gender diverse families, as well as racial equity, and how pediatricians can contribute more to the mother's success. Um, and to protect breastfeeding with universal paid leave. That's important. The right to breastfeed in public should be understood and and not shamed. Insurance coverage for breast pumps, for lactation consultants, all of those things can be tricky, right? And they can make it harder for a woman to keep going. Childcare on site will really help. You could go take a break at work and go nurse your baby. You know, I had a mom who was able to do that. And so she nursed for a lot longer. Um, And work breaks to be able to pump, let's say. So there's so many things that really have to just be in place to keep it going, especially when someone goes back to work. It's a lot. Don't we love the support of the AAP? Gosh, what a great organization. Just working so hard for the babies. Just really keeping our kids safe and healthy. Gosh, that's just all we can ask, and they're so good at it. Those are great recommendations. So I'd like you to give some recommendations for women now, Dr. Crosby, about eating healthy while they're breastfeeding, because you mentioned that that can affect the even the taste of the breast milk including, I'd like you to include in there, taking vitamins or supplements while they're breastfeeding and or medications, anything the woman is ingesting. Speak a little bit about that. Absolutely. I mean, the first thing when people ask me, because the moms will be like, well, what should I eat? What should I do? I'm like, eat a normal, balanced, healthy diet. That's really what it takes to help the mom maintain supply and sustain her health and her baby's health, right? So certain components of the diet are really important. And I'll kind of go through some of the vitamins, et cetera. Um, but limiting processed and junk foods and sh- lots of sugary junk, right? A craving here and there is fine. I love chocolate, but, you know, you want to have your protein and all of the healthy fats and everything else. Drinking a lot of fluids, a glass every time you nurse. Avoiding alcohol is very important. No amount is safe. It used to be, oh, you could have a glass. It's really not recommended to have any. So I think that's, that's important. Now, 
calcium, if we want to go through separate components, calcium, right? That's a very important mineral. The body stores calcium in the bones. So basically much of the calcium in the breast milk to meet the baby's needs will come from your bones and then you're going to lose, have bone loss. So women can lose even up to 5% of their bone mass while breastfeeding. So they need at least a thousand milligram a day of calcium. Um, and even more if it's a teen mom, um, to ensure that the bones will remain strong after the baby's weaned. But, um, so that's one, make sure calcium. So that's a, that's an important one. Um, you can consume it by like an eight ounce glass of milk is one serving. So that'll have around 300 or so milligrams. So it's important to think about all the different ways. Some people can have dairy, but there are alternatives. But yogurt, cheese, and milk are, are good. Kale and broccoli and spinach and beans also have it. Um, some cereals have it too. But if you can't get it, then you, have, you should definitely take a supplement. And in addition to the prenatal vitamin, because that doesn't have all of that calcium. So that's something to consider. Vitamin D is super important, right? So, it, you know, at least 400 IU of vitamin D, but even a thousand is good. So again, the prenatal vitamin usually will cover that, but double check what's in yours. And I tell people, bring your vitamins with you. I will look at them and tell you what you're getting because they can be quite confusing. Protein, super important, um, super important component of the healthy diet for breastfeeding. It builds tissues, repairs tissues, maintains your body's tissues. So women need a lot of protein during nursing. So two or three servings of meat, poultry, fish, you know, about the size of a deck of cards is like a serving. Um, an egg, a tablespoon of peanut butter, some nuts and beans, and other things that are important are fatty fish. So we, we need DHA. DHA is an omega-3 fatty acid that's found in breast milk and contributes to growth and development of a baby's brain and baby's eyes. So having fish a couple times a week is very important. Some women do take a DHA supplement, especially if they dislike don't, or don't like fish, allergic to fish. There are supplements for that as well. Um, Iron, also extremely important um, for moms to maintain their energy level. Um, they need it as well. Anemia makes you feel weak and tired and you'll have hair loss and it's not good for your milk supply either. So iron is in meats and poultries and also in lots of green veggies. So that's, that's also important. And it's in the prenatal vitamin as well. And taking some vitamin C along with it can help you absorb you like a glass of orange juice. Um, folic acid has always been recommended and still recommended for all women of childbearing age to get at least 400 micrograms of folate or folic acid every day. Um, so that's been a recommendation for a long time and, and remains so. Um, supplements, um, besides all of these, anything else, if you're not sure, it's better to ask your OB or your pediatrician. Um, if there's other things you're considering taking or someone said, oh, you should take this or this is really great for your milk supply, um, it's always good to, to double check. And the lactation consultants are, are quite knowledgeable as well with what's safe to take um, during. And then medications, it depends. So some moms are already on them. And most of the things that are okay when you're pregnant are okay when you're breastfeeding. But I do like to know what the mom is taking. And I, I always say, please tell the pediatricians. A lot of times they assume we know because they're OBs now, so they feel like that just gets transferred to us. But we don't always know what they're on. So don't assume. Please tell us everything that you're on um, just to make sure we know that it's fine. And most moms will call us and say, my doctor's putting me on this. Is this okay? I'm breastfeeding. 
So it's always good to double check if you're not sure. So lots of things to think about, but the prenatal vitamin will definitely help fill gaps, but it's still good to get your nutrients really from food sources. That's the best way. Wow. What a comprehensive answer. and What great advice. Dr. Crosby, you're such a great guest. So as we wrap up here on the updated recommendations by the AAP on breastfeeding, I'd like you to speak to the whole family, to the mother who is a new mother, how she can get the whole family in, because this shouldn't be a one-person job. And there are ways that all the other people in the family can be involved. So can you speak about that and just really offer up your best advice for new parents, the breastfeeding recommendations, and what's best for mom and baby? Yes. I mean, I think the first thing is that misconception that why is breastfeeding so hard? Just pop the baby on. It's not like that. And I know too, because my first, I really had a lot of trouble. It's not like, oh, it's just easy. Pop the baby on and everyone can run around the room screaming and you can multitask at the same time and blah, blah, blah. It's not like that. So you need people in the family, people who are there need to understand that it takes a lot of time, that it is tiring because you're also doing it all night as well as during the day, and that you need nutrition and fluids and support. And so it's important, right? People can bring the nursing mom a glass of water. They can take the other kids out of the room and get them out out in fresh air and out to the park to give her some one-on-one peaceful time with the baby to make sure it's a good it's a good feed. Take things off her to-do list, right? Do the laundry. Don't anything she's like anxious about. We're like, how can I help you? What can I do? And even if she's one of those martyrs that's like wants to do it all, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're like, I am doing this and just do it. <laughs> Don't keep asking. Just do it. Um, yes, keeping the kids busy is important. Letting her take a nap is important. And also have some, give a bottle a day. We usually allow that once the baby's, you know, between two and six weeks old, depending how nursing's going, pump the milk, and then someone else can feed the baby. That's sort of a nice experience. You can pump for 15 minutes, and then she could go take a walk or do have some me time, and then someone else can feed the baby. And even siblings can often help do that, which is nice for them. Um, have the little siblings, they can sing songs. They can read books to the baby. They can help keep the baby awake that way. So to include them and things like that's good, but also to understand that she needs her time to breastfeed, to get it going, especially, you know, the, those first couple months, it's, it can be tricky. And there are babies that are easily distracted and they won't nurse if there's a lot going on. So she needs her peace and quiet and time. It's the support and understanding that she's tired and she needs to do this. And that it's for everyone's benefit because it's for the health of their family member, that little person, right? We all want to do it for that baby. Well, we certainly do. And what a great podcast this was. It was informative and you really explained all those updated recommendations. And listeners, we shouldn't shame anyone for their choices because that's what it's all about is tolerance. And we know the AAP of all organizations around this country is tolerant and inclusive. And that is why we love them so much. They're all about helping us to raise our children, raise them happy and healthy and safe and That's what we're talking about here on Healthy Children. Dr. Crosby, thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to Healthy Children. And of course, all of our expert guests are provided by the American Academy of Pediatrics. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.